Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. It's uh, early December here in Pennsylvania. Uh, temperatures are still pretty nice. We have our late archery season that's going to uh, come back in at the end of the month, right after uh, Christmas and before the new year. Uh, I do a lot of hunting in January here in Pennsylvania, and it can be what I would say is chilly or cold on certain days, depending where you live. Um, it'll get down to um, below zero. It'll probably get in, you know, uh, the teens or low twenties in the morning, but it's nothing like where our guest uh, hunts. I'm really excited to have Brad Fenson join us. Uh, for those who don't know, Brad is our crossbow columnist for Peterson's bow hunting. Uh, and he lives in Canada, specifically in Alberta. Brad, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, talking about cold weather is half of our year, so <laughs> we know the topic well. Yeah. Now, you hunt uh, not only across Canada, but uh, throughout North America. I know you get down here in the States a lot and things like that, but uh, uh, is it safe for me to assume you do a lot of cold weather hunting by the time December rolls in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, here in the North, our days are pretty short. You know, uh, legal shooting light is well after most people have driven to work and by the end of the month uh you know four o'clock in the afternoon things are done it's dark already so um it's cold there's not a lot of daylight hours and it just uh you have to prepare for it to to, to deal with it mentally and physically yeah so so give us an idea right now as, as i mentioned here we're in we're in early december heading towards mid-december how cold is it going to get tonight where you're at well, we've had some really erratic weather with some nasty cold stuff. Tonight it's going back to minus 28 and, you know, that's Celsius and everyone will say, oh, you know, that's that's nothing Fahrenheit. But I like to remind everyone that uh, Fahrenheit and Celsius scales come together at minus 40. So what I tell people when it's cold, it's cold, no matter what thermometer you're looking at or how you read it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and that's and that's true and you know obviously for for our listeners the vast majority are deer hunters and so i think that'll be a focus of our conversation here what you can do to stay warm when you're in the field or when you're on the stand but uh, i'm sure you have a lot of great tips so we'll just dive into it now um are you specifically are you still doing some late season deer hunting back home you know, I'm into the last couple days of a special season where I live. Our general season closed at the end of November. Mm -hmm. And then through December, we have some special draws where you can get out and hunt, you know, in different places of the province. And there's a few counties that have extended seasons with more tags as well. So uh, I've been crossbow hunting and uh, vertical bow hunting almost every day. And uh not the weather isn't so much hampering me it's the workload so you know i would prefer to be out there all day long in this late season stuff because the cold even though it affects hunters it also affects the critters and it gives us an advantage if we can be out there so i like to go for all day sits the days are short there's not a lot of daylight hours but uh you know cold makes the critters want to eat and have to eat and get more calories and stuff too so uh, we can use that to our advantage by being out there all day and being prepared yeah. And you know what? That's a great starting point. You know, here in the States, uh, a lot of times when you get to the late season and guys are bow hunting, they're going to try and key in a, uh, a well-used food source or someplace where you might have the deer coming out in the evenings and you're going to do evening sits. Uh, not for everybody. For most of the time, a lot of guys won't get out maybe first thing in the morning. Um, but in the evenings, especially if they can pattern a buck, sounds like it's a little different where you where you hunt up there. 
what are your primary tactics when you're getting out deer hunting in the late season? Uh, as you mentioned, your days are shorter, it's cold. How do you change things up when you're trying to get a deer in those last few days? It's probably very similar. In Alberta, you can't use bait or things like that. So I like to say it's an old-fashioned hunt where you do your homework, you find the bedding areas, the travel routes, the main food sources, the highest protein food sources, especially this time of year. You know, earlier in the fall, you might find deer spread out over a bigger area. And come this time of year, you find concentrations of them. And some people say, well, they're yarding up. There's not enough snow to force them to yard up now. It's that they've keyed in on a food source that's high protein, where they can take in more calories in a shorter period of time than somewhere else. And they know it, you know, whether they can smell it or sense it from the other deer or whatever it is, you know, I've looked at that for years, but uh, deer attract deer and where there's good food, they will find it. So uh, setting up on a food source is always smart. It means you're more exposed. Uh, I love hunting travel corridors. I find that those big bucks are still very secretive in terms of how they like to live, what they like to do. And we're entering the, the post rut, which is also my favorite time of year because those big bucks are Roman, hoping to find that last doe or two. And again, that's why I said all day, because uh, the last three years I've shot very nice bucks here at home and all of them were in December and all of them were midday or mid afternoon. So, you know, those big bucks are Roman, they're, they're really low on calories. So they'll stop to feed wherever they can and just keep running. And uh, they'll cover miles and miles. So sitting in a, a tree or a blind and making sure you got everything in your favor can can often produce a deer that you've never seen before, which is, you know, that that makes this time of year very unique. Yeah. Now, you've already touched on a couple of times uh, that you're hunting all day or almost every day, even if you have a shorter window as far as daylight hours. So that begs to ask you, as far as when you go out. What are the first things you need to consider as far as staying warm? Or what's your strategy to prepare to stay warm for, say, six, eight hours a day if you're out there that long? Well, obviously, uh, dressing for success is key. But if you want to know where I start my day, you make sure you get a good sleep because when you're tired, you don't feel right and you're just you know more susceptible to the environment. Um, I'll sort of jump back to... The history in Alberta, you know, this part of the world was settled uh, uh, probably a hundred and some years ago, which isn't that old compared to Pennsylvania. And there's still lots of trappers here. And I've spent some time on the trap line. And the best way to fight the cold is to start your day with a proper meal. You know, and uh, the trappers always had something with high fat. They'd cook it in lard and they have bacon and I was with some of them sometimes that even stir lard or butter into their coffee in the morning. And they said it, it, it absolutely makes a difference in terms of how you uh, break those things down and the fuel it creates within you. So, you know, where do you want to start? You start by planning your day with a proper meal and enough time to eat it so that your furnace is running when you're in the woods. And that's probably the biggest tip I can give you is uh, eat properly and take something in the field to eat as well, just to, to keep it, keep the, the fire stoked. Yeah, no, that's great. And how about, you know, since you mentioned, how about beverages? Do you do you try to make sure you carry something warm in the field or you have a different technique you use when you're sitting in the blind or on the stand? Absolutely. Drink something warm. I would never drink something that's cold. That's a good way to uh, to start yourself shivering and, and create a cold cycle for your body. You know, I was uh, I've spent a lot of time in the far north in the Yukon and Alaska 
and fished in the summer. And sometimes, you know, you'll be out in July and August, but you better have your long underwear on because it can get nasty cold quick. And I remember coming in a couple of times being frozen. And what do the people in the far new earth do? The first thing they do is build a, a fire, build a pot of tea and have something really hot to drink to warm you from the inside out. So I've always remembered that. And that's a big strategy of mine. I'll take a thermos of uh, hot liquid with me. It's actually nice because it's quiet to access and open and drink and do all that as well. But I also always have one in the truck waiting for me when I'm done. So if you hit a point midday where you're getting the shivers and you don't think you can stay there any longer, you can take a short hiatus, go out, have something to eat, have something to drink, get that furnace going again and get back in your stand. Yeah, totally agree. I've, I've long carried a thermos when I go out in the late season as well. Sometimes I'll have coffee, yeah. sometimes I'll do tea. I'll, I'll mix it up, but, but it, it actually is a, a great tool. And it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook, but uh, it can really be helpful to prolong that sit. Now, I mean, the other big thing is obviously dressing for success. And right before we started this, you talked about you actually start the process of figuring out what you're going to wear much earlier in the year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we know it's going to get cold here every year. Without a doubt, during deer season, we're going to have some minus 35s or even minus 40 degrees. And, uh, you know, you can get frostbite fast, uh, get compromised, uh, put yourself in some scary situations. So you need to think about it. Make sure you have the equipment ahead of time and know that it works. Uh, but when uh, summer rolls around and we're practicing, I got uh, an archery course set up in my lower yard. I've got about 15 targets, a bunch of 3D. My buddies and I'll get down there even my family we're shooting all the time like most archers practice all year means success later in the year but uh i'm sure some of the neighbors drive by and think we're nuts because it'll be 80 degrees out and we've got our full bibs on and our stocking caps and our parkas and they're done right up and it's a great test and a great learning situation where one second you're shooting in your t-shirt and it's really easy to draw your bow find your anchor point do all these things the next minute you put all this gear on and it's almost like a competition to see who could maintain their accuracy, shoot the same targets and see what happens. You know, knowing how you are going to react and how things are going to change uh, way before the season opens and practice for it is probably one of the best things I could recommend for people to be successful when, you know, we're all dreaming of that buck of a lifetime when that big deer steps out and you go to draw and your, your string pulls across your your zipper close on your parka or you can't get the clearance and you find that you're you're not anchoring right uh you know there's little things you might change your draw cycle out a little bit and then pull back in but you'll know that ahead of time just by by playing with the different clothes that you're going to wear when it is cold yeah and and you know that brings up a, a a huge point you're talking about you know practicing with your clothes on but uh for example where you live up there it gets really cold so um do you do different things to prepare your equipment or are there any tests you've done over time to see uh, maybe how things when it gets super duper cold say minus 20 celsius minus 30 celsius do you do anything as far as going over your bow thoroughly doing or maybe making sure your crossbow is working properly Absolutely. I always check, especially when we're uh, hunting day after day, because a lot of times if it's minus 30, uh, you come in, bring your equipment in at night, uh, that frost will develop on it. There's condensation. There's all kinds of little points that uh, can compromise your equipment. So I usually bring things in, let it warm up for half an hour, give it a complete wipe down, check anything, see if I need to, to work any metal parts with a little bit of oil or something to make them ready for the next day. But I've also tested everything in the cold, you know, uh, 
you live in Pennsylvania. You're you know you're going to have cold weather in your late season. How many times have you gone out and shot your bow just for fun when it's super cold? Most people look at the temperature thermometer and like I ain't going out there. There's no way. You know, I'll do it for a big deer, but I'm not going to do it to practice. But uh, over the last couple of winters, I've taken out my vertical bows and crossbows, and I try to target the worst day possible. So the last time I did this, it was minus 42 degrees, which Celsius, Fahrenheit, it doesn't matter. With the wind chill, it was colder than minus 50. Went out there, all the bows sat out on a table for at least half an hour, and then we shot them all through a chronograph just to see. Um, I was surprised that there's zero performance difference in the cold versus when wow. it was 80 degrees out. They shot the same speed. They shot the same cycle. It was me that was different. Uh, my muscles weren't as strong, especially after you sh uh, shoot a few times, you find that it's harder to do the cycle. But I also noticed that uh, gear that wasn't out in the cold as long and had a time to acclimatize tended to cause, the only problem it would cause is some of the limbs or cams would creak a little bit in the cold. So the one the one recommendation I would make for hunters is if you're hunting in the cold and you got a safe place, you know, if you live in a place where you don't have to worry about leaving gear in your truck, leave it out there, leave it in the cold. It's less likely to, to make noise uh, or have performance issues because of the hot, cold uh, cycle that you're putting it through. Make it cold, leave it cold, use it cold. It'll work just fine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that's a great point as far as making sure you're just totally familiar with equipment. You go so far as make sure you're familiar with it in all types of weather conditions. Uh, now, the other big part is obviously dressing properly. You mentioned you practice in the in the summer or the early fall and you used to put on your clothes on and you're shooting and things like this. But walk us through what you wear in the field when it's this cold, when you're deer hunting in December. What's your go to dress? What what do you put on? What are the things you can't live without and why? You know, I've got lots of what I would call high-tech clothing. I've got, you know, Sitka gear and uh, Nomad gear and a whole bunch of different brands. But basically, uh, when it's super cold, I'm going to start with my hands and feet. I always like to wear liners. I think that the worst thing that happens is even if it's a short walk to your stand, you've got these big boots on, all this clothes, you heat up, your feet start to sweat and you go sit down. It's the worst thing possible. So having sock liners to pull that moisture off your feet as soon as it occurs makes a huge difference same with your fingers you don't need nearly as much insulation to keep them warm if you have that liner and any moisture any sweating any type of buildup of moisture at all is going to just be pulled right off your skin that's going to help keep you dry um you know long underwear and stuff come in different weights they have the expedition weight that's got high pile uh if you tend to get cold use the heavy stuff make sure you have it for those really cold days uh, it's really not that much more bulky uh, when we're talking about long underwear in terms of normal and uh, expedition expedition weight. It's, it, there's not a, a big difference in terms of the thickness of the clothing, but there's a huge difference in the insulation value. So if you tend to get cold, use the really good stuff. And then I dress in layers. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I was hunting Kansas one time and everyone else in camp refused to hunt out of a tree stand because it was cold. It was like minus 28 Fahrenheit. And there was a 30 mile an hour wind and everyone said, I'm not going up in a tree. But I had some really good clothing uh, from True Timber that is actually a, a mid layer, a puffy layer that was downfilled. So I had downfilled pants and a vest, 
um, that I could use under my regular hunting clothes. And I put that on and I'll tell you, it was awesome. I stayed hot. I wouldn't even say I was warm, but I was hot. If I stayed done up, I held the heat just like a goose would that was out on a lake uh, in this type of weather. So uh, dressing in layers and finding a puffy layer for that, that uh, in-between layer can really make the biggest difference. And of course, always keeping things quiet with all the synthetics that we have nowadays. Uh, you know, I think back to the 1950s when everyone wore red plaid and wool underwear. Man, my grandpa wouldn't believe the advantages we have today in terms of technology and our clothing. Nobody should be cold. You know, if you if you buy the right stuff and you wear it right and you do it up and keep it done up and follow, you know, the recommendations, like if you're walking in, let your heat out, then do it up, different things like that. It's going to it's going to work for you. Yeah. And, you know, it's you touched on the layers and that's a strategy I use a lot. I'll carry a couple extra things in in a pack. There's no problem with that. And you, you, obviously you want to keep from overheating internally uh, because once you start sweating, it's hard to reverse that process. I mean, there's a lot of great base layers. You know, I wear um, Ibex Woolly Tex. They're great. They're a wool based product. They'll wick the moisture away from your skin. But once you especially when it's that cold. Once you get uh, perspiration or once you start to overheat, it's hard to reverse that process. Um, so, yeah, so that's great. Now, I think the other thing is, and I don't know why, I feel like sometimes hunters will overlook wearing the proper headgear. I always make sure I keep my head warm, but uh, you lose a lot of heat through 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 your head. But if you don't wear something like, uh, like a knit cap or something good, but that's important. Touch on that. What do you wear as far as headgear? You know, you're absolutely right, Mark. You can probably dress your entire body, your feet, your hands, very well and if you don't cover your head properly you're going to lose enough heat that your your the rest of your body will get cold so i like to wear a, a balaclava style uh covering i have a number of different hats when the wind chill is really high i actually have a fur hat with ear flaps that i can pull down and uh the only thing i don't like about wearing real heavy hats is i'm i I, what I'll say is I'm always on point when I'm hunting. You're probably the same. Anybody that's serious likes to uh, keep all of their senses on high, and I find that it damp uh, dampens my hearing ability a bit. So all of my uh, larger hats, I've made sure that they have ear holes in the ear flaps so that I can hear through them, and it does make a big difference. I want to be able to hear what's going on, know what's going on, and uh, but first and foremost, be warm. So wool hats. Uh, balaclavas, uh, neck gaiters that you can pull up over top your head. You know, it can be an extra layer or your base layer, but a, a neck gaiter is probably a, a great place to start covering your chin, your neck, the top of your head before you even put a hat on. And then that gaiter can be used to pull up over your nose. They come in different thicknesses. Uh, they actually have, some of them have breathing ports in them. Uh, so again, your, your, your head is very crucial to your overall uh, longevity in the stand so think that way you know if you have to get a, a fur cap like they used to use many years ago uh, do it if you've got a wool cap with ear uh, coverings that would be ideal stocking caps in Canada we call them a toque which some people might not know what it is but uh, yeah everyone in Canada has a toque or two or three or four <laughs> Yep. That's the first time I've heard that word, but it, it's a crucial piece of equipment, sometimes not thought about as much as your outer garments, your boots and things like that. Now, uh, as far as footwear, do you have preferences for as far as boots and or socks? And, you know, uh, I'll be honest, like for me, it doesn't get cold off here. I will actually wear a good pair of neoprene boots with 
good moisture wicking socks and they'll carry me through most situations down here. I'm not sure to do the same for you, but if you have insulated neoprens, it's amazing how well they keep your feet warm. Well, yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because I might have overlooked it, but I have a pair of dry shod Yetis that are good for minus 40. And I, I honestly believe that if you wear the proper socks with liners and either a really high pile synthetic or a wool sock, that they're probably ideal for that minus 40, minus 50 stuff. I mean, I, that's the same boots I wear when I go ice fishing and uh, you're in kicking the ice and water out of the holes and having fun. And uh, I wear those uh, deer hunting again, because I think that the, the neoprene and the rubber bases give you a bit of a scent advantage over leather. Yep. Uh, but most more than anything, they keep you warm. So uh, they come up your calf, they fit snug, they fit tight. So uh, there's a lot of things about them that can help uh, transmit heat up and down your legs and feet where leather boots don't. So great choice. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I think the other thing we should touch on is we were talking about technology and clothing, but obviously there's a lot of other accessories you can carry in the field now, such as hand warmers, rechargeable foot pads, um, insulated and even rechargeable seats and things like that. Um, I should ask you, do you uh, use any of those products and what have you found to be some of the most effective? Absolutely. I do use a couple battery operated products, but I find that they're compromised in the extreme cold as well. And if you become uh, dedicated to those products, they're going to let you down at some point because the batteries aren't going to be there, not going to work, or you're not going to have spares. So I tend to use more of the, the hand warmers. And uh, when I get them going, I usually start them at least half an hour before I leave home in the morning, make mm -hmm. sure that they're going to be good and hot. But I actually don't put them on my hands. When I get all my layers of clothing on and you have a, a tight wristband, I mm -hmm. put them where the blood flows to my hands. So I put them on my wrists to warm the blood moving in and out of my hands. And I find that that is the best thing I can do uh, to keep my dexterity and my hands warm. So hand warmers are great when you put them in your glove, but I find that often, I'm not sure if it creates moisture in your hands again or something, but I find that my fingers can get cold. Whereas if I put them on my wrists, control the heat in my blood flow, it's, it's much more advantageous. Yeah, thank you for that. I actually never thought about doing that. That seems like it's a great tip. I'm going to have to try that out myself. Uh, now, do you do you, we sort of went around this, but uh, it sounds like you do some blind hunting and some tree stand hunting when you're hunting in the blind. You don't obviously don't have a ton of room when you're in a tree stand, but when you're hunting in a blind, do you take any other steps to try and stay warm uh, when you're sitting on the ground and maybe you have a little more room around you? You know, I do have a propane heater. I bought it last year, so I haven't used it for years and years. Uh, I find that just getting out of the wind is the biggest advantage of a blind. Yeah. And I make sure I brush it in with uh, lots of limbs and stuff, which adds a bit of an insulation layer to it as well. But uh, sitting in a blind, uh, I find just gives you that little bit of an advantage to stay warm. Uh, makes a big difference. I really don't think that the heaters affect you in terms of deer being able to smell you or sense the heat or anything like that i've had some of them walk right by i do know that it compromises my hearing a little bit because it does have a low grade hissing sound again it's uh -huh. just uh, being a real fussy hunter that i like to be able to hear what's going on and a lot of times most of the times i hear the deer coming before i see them which is a great advantage of the cold that snow is creaky and squeaky and 
you know, deer that are moving 80 yards away, you can hear them coming. So it allows you to be prepared, be ready, know the direction they're coming from and uh, keeping your senses about you and and having them at high alert and being able to use them makes a big difference for success. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, so I have one other question for you. What's your best or your most memorable late season deer hunting story? What's the story that pops out at you? When, 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 you know, we're talking about all this cold weather prep, I've got to ask you that. There's probably a really great story that you have to share with us. You know, one that stands out is I did a special hunt in eastern Alberta where I was allowed to take two bucks. And uh-huh. uh, uh, with the wind chill, it was minus 56 degrees. It was absolutely nasty. Traveling with the wind was bearable but coming back and traveling into the wind was was brutal you know it uh, would expo- uh, freeze exposed skin in under 30 seconds and you had to be very careful what you did but uh, the deer were impacted by the cold too they were up and moving and I ended up shooting uh, a really great mule deer and a big whitetail on that trip and it will always wow. stand out in my mind as one of the coldest adventures I've ever had but one of the most rewarding and of course nobody was hurt my buddy and I, we we hunted uh, in the same block of timber and we couldn't see each other. But, uh, you know, being prepared, you can deal with any of this weather. And people did for centuries. And that's why we're still here today. So uh, we have a huge advantage with the gear we have. We just need to learn how to use it properly and embrace it. Um, you know, I'll just step back one second in terms of hand warmers and heat. Uh-huh. I always do wear bibs. I like to keep my kidneys covered. And that midsection of my body, I find if you can keep it warm, which is goes along with drinking warm liquids, if you keep that warm, it's easier to keep everything else warm and keep your extremities warm. And uh, people that are prone to cold, if I have some buddies come up from Texas or Florida that are hunting up here with yeah. me, whether it's waterfowl or, or big game or whatever, we go to Costco or one of those big stores and buy some of the Thermacare belts, which is a heated pad that you would use for back pain. And I give them those. And they've all said that it makes a huge difference. If you're going to be sitting for eight hours in the cold, keep your kidneys warm. Use one of those belts that uh, is designed for for helping you deal with back pain. Put it on. It lasts for eight hours. So you're good for the entire day. But it'll help you stay on stand much longer and keep you a lot more heat regulated. Yeah. And as we were talking, I had one other thought that I wanted to share. Um, People don't always think of this either. No matter what you do, especially as it gets cold, try to keep the wind and the cold off your neck. Now, I say that because you touched about wearing the hats. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of jackets now that have hoods and things. And sometimes if you pull them up, they can restrict your visibility, just like you were talking about your hearing. So try to come up something with your knit cap and a real high collar or, or, or something else where you can keep that wind off your neck. Because even when you're talking about two inches exposed, if that's blowing on you, you're going to get cold quickly. So there's a lot of little things you need to think about when you go into the late season as far as not only the hunting tactics, but trying to stay warm. And, uh, you know, you certainly have a lot of great tips that you've shared because of the extreme cold you face, not only hunting at home, but in some of the travels you've done. So I wanted to take some time. I want to thank you for joining us. I mean, what you've shared is incredible. We've covered a lot. So thank you. You're welcome. It's always fun. And I, you know, I share it because I've learned from trial and error and deer hunters are a passionate crew. Archers are a passionate crew. So being able to share things to encourage people to get out and do it, stay out and be successful is, it just helps all of us. 
Yeah, well, well, thank you so much. Good luck with your last few days that you have here of deer hunting and as you switch to some of your other hunting that you'll be doing like waterfowl and things like that. And for everybody who's listening to the podcast, you either have some late archery seasons going on right now or they're going to come back in in the end of December and into January. A couple states will even go into February. So good luck, everybody. If you haven't filled your tag, there's still time. Just stay warm and have a great time. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.